Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Front Range. My name is Johnny. I'm one of our pastors here. So pumped to be with you guys this morning. Uh, If it's your first time at Front Range, man, thank you so much for being here. Even if you're just fairly new, I just want to remind you of what we hope that you experience here as a church. We want you to build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And uh, we just want this place to be a home for you. We've been going through a series on deconstruction, which is a very, very difficult topic. It's messy. Um, Going through it is messy. Talking about it is messy. We're so thankful for how God has been moving through this series, though. We've gotten a lot of feedback from you guys, which has been amazing, just hearing your story, hearing what you've been wrestling with. And we want to wrap this whole thing up, uh, not like pretend like we've tackled it or anything, but kind of wrap up this series on it next Sunday with a Q&A. Pastor Ernest and I are going to just kind of sit down and answer your questions. So we need your questions. Um, you can text your questions just straight to the number that's on the screen. Um, that is not my phone number, just so you know. Like you're not... You're not texting me. Um, Someone last service asked how they could become better friends with me, and I did respond and say lunch. Um, So things like that, but like you're not texting me directly. Uh, We just want to hear from you, and we are going to take some live next Sunday. So, you know, if you got nothing right now, that's great. Just come next Sunday, and we'll just kind of talk through some of the things that are going on in your brain as as we're talking through this topic. But it has been so good to talk about some of the reasons that we go through deconstruction, the ways, um, that we can kind of wrestle through that. And I really want to encourage you, we say this every time, but I'm like practically begging you to go back and watch the weeks of this series if you've missed any of them. This is not a thing that you can cover in one 30-minute message. You can't even cover it in the three weeks we're giving it. Like, you really need to go back if you missed any of this because there may be something that I don't say today um, that we've said before. So if you've missed anything in the last couple weeks, please, please go back and watch. Um, I want to refer back to our uh, definition of deconstruction that we've been using. Deconstruction is the process of critically reevaluating and remodeling your faith. We want to talk about a healthy process of deconstruction, of reevaluating and remodeling, not just demolishing, right? Like, think of the idea, like, when I, I play blocks with my kids sometimes, and I'm not creative, all I know how to do is build a tower. Like, I just get the weird blocks, and I try to build the tallest, weirdest tower that I can. And I did this the other day, and I said, look, guys, I built a tower. And my daughter turns around and goes, let's tear it down. And my son came like Von Miller out of nowhere and just tackled the whole thing, destroyed it, blocks went everywhere, and I was sad. That's not what we want for deconstruction. That's not what we're after. We feel like there is a healthy way to go through deconstruction. And to me, there are two groups of people as we have this discussion today. There are those who may be in the midst of a deconstruction process. You've got questions. You've got doubts. You've got whatever's going on in your head. You may have had painful experiences, church hurts, some of the things we talked about week one. You're in the midst of what we've been talking about. And then the other group of people, I think, are those who may have been there before but you've come out the other side of it. And hopefully your faith has been strengthened. You've wrestled through some things. You've grown closer to God. And I believe that today's message has something for both of those groups of people. Every person's story of deconstruction is different. We go through these things for for so many reasons. Again, week one of this series. And you may be there right now and sort of wondering, how can I keep going? How can I just like put one foot in front of the other? How can I keep coming to church, reading my Bible, spending time in prayer? How do I follow Jesus in the midst of this really difficult moment? And maybe you're on the other side again, and you've gone through deconstruction before, and you might be wondering like, I hear people are struggling. How can I help? How can I help create a safe 
place for people to wrestle through this and, and grow closer to God. I've been in both, both places in my life. I have sat with people and walked with people through the diff- difficult moments and the painful experiences. I've, I've apologized for church hurt um, that people have experienced in the past that for many people leads them to, to turn away from Jesus. And I've sat with people and just said, I'm sorry that someone treated you that way. I'm sorry that you went through that. It's not supposed to be that way. I've sat with people as they wrestle with hard questions with theology and why does God do this and how does he do this. I've cried with people through, through some of the most difficult moments in their lives and I've looked people in the eye and said, I don't know why that happened. I don't have an answer for you but I'm here for you, and I believe that God is too. And I've had people do the same thing for me and my wife and I. Uh, In 2019, we had two back-to-back miscarriages. And just many, 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 many of us have experienced that. Too many of us um, have had a very similar experience. So many people struggling with infertility and miscarriage, and it's devastating. It, the, the, the day we spent in the hospital was one of the worst days of my life, like absolutely one of the worst days of my life. Um, and I was left with a lot of questions and a lot of pain and just sitting there. Many of you know this moment, just sitting there wondering, why is this happening? Um, God, where are you? What are you doing? I read in Romans 8 that you will work all things together for you. You will work all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. How? how are you going to do that? And you feel some of my anger still. Um, My questions haven't all been answered, and the pain is still there, and it's not all wrapped up with a nice, pretty little bow. The difference, though, and the thing that made all of the difference in our lives is the people who showed up for us. The presence of God in people made all the difference. People who just were there in a matter of hours to help in whatever way they can, watching our daughter, bringing meals, people that we sat with uh, in community group on a weekly basis, and just they just let us be emotional and cry and be angry and wrestle with these questions, and people who just said, I know what that's like, and I'm here for you, and people that we found hope in, the hope of Jesus in them, because they had gone through similar experiences, or they had come out the other side of some of this stuff and, and not lost their hope, not lost their faith, and we drew strength from them, and we were able to move forward and take steps of faith, even without having all the questions answered, even with the pain still there, we were able to continue to follow Jesus in community because of people who showed up. And that's just one deconstruction moment in my life. I've had many, many others of looking at theological questions in the Bible and trying to figure out how all this stuff fits together. Looking at leaders uh, who I look up to and and see these people following Jesus. And I go, I want to be like that guy. I'm going to figure out how to be more like him. And then they do something incredibly stupid. And I go, great, is that what I have ahead of me as a pastor to just do something stupid and ruin it all? And the anger that comes from that kind of stuff and the, the, the deconstruction moment that I have looking at Leaders in the church and church hurt and all of this stuff, the linchpin for me in all of those moments has been people that I've been able to sit with and wrestle with this and have the emotion and have the questions and try to find answers together and people who have not lost hope and people who have not lost faith. And I think we as a church can be that kind of a place where people can wrestle, they can deconstruct, they can struggle with stuff, and there are other people who can help that we can create a safe environment, a place for people to be messy, 
and we can follow Jesus together, that we can actually take steps and live out our faith together, whether we're deconstructing or we have in the past and we're not right now. That's what we're going to talk about today, how we can live out our faith even in the midst of deconstruction. There's a moment in John chapter 13, and if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen. We'd also just love to get you a Bible if you don't have one. Uh, You can stop by the Blue Connections tent in the courtyard and we'll give you one. John 13 starts what's called the farewell discourse, and it's Jesus saying farewell because he's about to be arrested and murdered. So he says a couple of key things in John 13 through 17. He's got his disciples right here with him. He's trying to teach them something. What they don't know is that he's preparing them for their faith to get completely wrecked because they are about to see their Messiah arrested, tried, and murdered on a cross, and they're not going to know what to do with it. And Jesus is trying to give them some keys to say, here's some things you need to focus on. Here's some things you need to do. Things are about to get messy. I'm giving you some stuff to do to continue following me when it all goes bad. And so I think we can learn from that here today. So let's look at John chapter 13 and three keys to living out our faith in the deconstruction process. The first key is that we need to serve one another. We need to serve one another. In John 13, uh, Jesus gathers with his disciples and they're celebrating the Passover. They sit down for dinner and Jesus gets up from the dinner table, takes off his outer cloak, wraps a towel around his waist, grabs a basin of water and sits down and begins to wash their feet. This water was a lot warmer when I put it in here earlier. It's really cold right now. Um, But he grabs a towel and the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, starts washing some nasty feet. Now there's a moment where like the disciples are shocked by this. Peter even argues with him like, no, Lord, you cannot do this. This is not going to happen. And Jesus is like, nope, this needs to happen. And just consider what it would be like. Number one, for the Messiah to sit down and do this, to kneel before his disciples, the men who have followed him, who have been serving with him, serving him, and he sits down and begins to serve them in this way. And then just consider how nasty this was in general. These guys wore sandals and walked most places, dusty, dirty roads, sharing the roads with animals. Maybe you were following behind a camel today. You see where I'm going with this, right? And so Jesus is in the messiest position possible in this moment. Just to give you an illustration of this, um, Pastor Ernest showed us his hair last week, a couple different pictures of his hair. Here's what Pastor Ernest's feet look like, just so you get an idea. It's, it's not okay. Um, Pastor Ernest has hobbit feet, is what I'm trying to say. Don't tell him I said that. He's not here. He doesn't know. It's our secret, okay? Um, here's what happens, though. Jesus does this, and then he gets up, and he tells the disciples something very, very interesting. John chapter 13, verse 12. Here's what Jesus says. When he had finished washing their feet... He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus humbled himself and washed these dirty feet and then explains that he expects that same mindset and that same kind of action to be evident in our lives as his followers, as his disciples. 
The thing about serving one another and why it's so important and why Jesus was giving them this example here is because it takes our eyes off of ourselves. It helps jostle us in such a way and remind us what this whole thing is all about, this whole thing called church and following Jesus. It takes us from a place of being so focused on our own stuff and lifts our eyes up a little bit to see people around us who are hurting and need help. Now, serving other people doesn't answer all the questions or make pain go away or any of that kind of stuff, but it helps us take a step forward, and it helps unite us together in our own questions, in our own pain. It forces us to look at one another and realize that we're in this together. Whether you've got all the I's dotted or the T's crossed can't and shouldn't keep you from seeing another human being as valuable and important in a way that draws us out to serve and meet needs. It's at the heart of our faith in Christ to serve one another, just like he would serve us by going to the cross to pay the price for our sins. Man, if you're not, if you're not in a place of deconstruction, if you're in that group that like you've gone through that in the past and you feel like you're good, you're solid, what an opportunity to serve those who are, to say, hey, how can I help? What, what, what do you need? How can I be there for you? What, what can I do to serve you in this time and help you feel the love of Jesus? And to be at home here, to create a place where people feel safe to struggle and to be messy and to ask the questions and to have the emotions. What a, what a great opportunity for us. Here's the fun part, too. Jesus calls us to serve, and he doesn't make any qualifications about who to serve. Jesus washed 24 feet, 12 disciples, 24 feet, including Judas, who Jesus knew was betraying him and would lead to his eventual arrest and murder. And the rest of the disciples all, all turned away from him in that moment too. Jesus washed their feet and served them. In the messy process of deconstruction, serving other people reminds us of the beauty of our faith, the core of the gospel, the sacrifice of Jesus, and it can help us be reminded of what this whole thing is all about. Our service to one another is most needed in the messiness of life where people are hurting and suffering and we can help. We can make a huge impact in the lives of other people just by serving, just by choosing to do something to help them. The first key to living out our faith in deconstruction is to serve one another. The next one is to love one another. In John chapter 15, again, Jesus with his disciples, the last things he was telling them, he says, John chapter 15, verse 12, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Love is at the core of everything about our faith. It's who God is. It's meant to be at the core of everything that we do and who we are. Being unloving is incompatible with life in Christ. I'm going to let that sit for a second. Being unloving is incompatible with life in Christ. Jesus says, you're my friends if you do what I command, if you love each other. And the opposite is true. If we don't love each other, we're no friend of Christ. And here's a def definition of biblical love to help us understand kind of what this looks like. Biblical love is the decision to compassionately, responsibly, and sacrificially seek the well-being of another. Now, you might be like, well, who is another? It's the one you don't want it to be, <laughs> right? It's the person that's a mess, 
you would really just rather avoid and not have that conversation. It's the person that you think you have the least in common with. It's the person who sins differently than you. It's the person that you think just doesn't have it all together. Again, it's the one you don't want it to be. The greatest example of this kind of love is something that Jesus is foreshadowing here, that he would go to the cross, that he would lay down his life for each one of us because of his love and so that we could be in a relationship with God. He paid a price to earn our relationship with God because of his love for us. This kind of love changed the course of human history and it changes lives every single day. Day. This is what we feel when someone serves us out of genuine love. We feel this emotion of like, why is this person doing this? What? They don't need to do that for me. This person is being fueled by the love that they have received from God and they are pouring it out on us. This kind of love is what continued to make a difference after our miscarriages. The love that I felt from our community that let me know that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't struggling with these questions and these feelings on my own, and that I could ask these hard questions, that I could be myself in front of people, that I could find hope and joy in God again, because these people hadn't given up in their hard times, and they weren't going to let us give up either. Love sets the stage for life change. Love opens a door and invites people into a place where they can be themselves, where they can belong before they believe. We can be a place where that happens. And love tends to spread. It drives you to comfort other people in the way that you've been comforted in the past. It compels you to be there for others and give them what you may have received in the past in your time of need. Loving other people is something that every single person can do, should do, and needs to do if we claim the name of Jesus. He calls us to do this. In John chapter 17, we find another of these keys to living out our faith in deconstruction. And this one comes from a prayer. Jesus is praying and asking God for some specific things. And again, remember, he is very close to the end here. What he's praying for, should, we, should, we should notice it. We should take notice of what Jesus is saying here. And he's asking God for certain things for his followers. Not for the world, but for the people who claim his name and claim that we follow him. Here's what Jesus says. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The key that we can take from this is that we need to seek unity with one another. We need to seek unity with one another. I would argue that unity is one of the greatest challenges facing followers of Jesus in our world today. And it has the potential to make the greatest impact in our world today, in the lives of those who are seeking, who are searching, and trying to figure out what the point of all of this is. Unity has the potential to make the greatest impact, and it's one of our greatest challenges. Too often, uh, what we've done is we've created an us versus them scenario where like, we, we act like we have to choose between unity or faithfulness to what we believe the truth is, and we, we start to create these categories and these boundaries and these lines on who can and cannot be a part of our community, and we think that we have to sacrifice one or the other, faithfulness to truth or unity, and it's just not that way. And yet, too often, we do this us versus them thing. And look, I, I get it. I deal with this almost on a daily basis, okay? Pastor Ernest hates cats. 
I think cats are cool. Like, I got a cat. He's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Pastor Brandon hates Star Wars and Marvel. Those are core to who I am, okay? <laughs> Pastor Mike doesn't drink coffee. I didn't even know that's possible. I don't know how he makes it through a day. It seems crazy. Pastor Aaron thinks the metal and the hardcore music that I listen to is garbage. He might have a point, but here's the deal. These guys have a right to be wrong, okay? And we can still be unified in Jesus, even in their wrongness, okay? I, just, I had to defend myself. Cats get so much hate on this stage at Front Range. I just had to, just one, anyway. Seriously, though. We can be unified and faithful to the essentials of our faith. It is possible to make side issues side issues and stay faithful to the truth and live and follow Jesus in unity together by using a phrase that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I could be wrong about this. I could be wrong about this. Just because we read the same passages on secondary issues and we land on different sides of it and, and different interpretations does not mean that we cannot be unified on the essentials of our faith. We really can create a home for people to come in the door and say, I don't know what I believe about this, but this Jesus guy is pretty cool and I'd like to follow him. And we go, awesome, let's do that together. Let's go. Let's figure out following Jesus together. I don't have the answers to that stuff either. I could be wrong about what I think here. Let's do this together. We really can be a place like that. Too often, though, we've responded to genuine doubt and questions of our faith with skepticism and fear, and we've pushed people away when we have an opportunity to bring them in, to create a home for people, and to unite in a way that shows our faith to the world. Don't miss what Jesus said here. Right at the end, Jesus said that as a result of our unity, the world will know that God sent him and loved them. The world will know, based on our unity, that God loves them and died for them and has a home for them. Please don't miss this. Our unity has a chance to show the world that God loves them and he wants, he wants them to be in a relationship with them. Unfortunately, there are probably way too many stories that we could show and, and share of disunity and division that would outweigh the good of unity. Like, I have heard so many ridiculous things of why relationships have been severed, why there's been division and, and disunity in the church, why churches have split. Um, I've heard of people splitting churches over carpet color, paint color, choice of coffee, whether a banner says hallelujah or hallelujah. Give me a break, guys. We, we got to stop. We can be better than this. We have to be better than this. What does it look like, though? It's real simple. It's not easy. It's simple. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. Loving people, no matter who they are or what they've done. Expressing joy at the growth and the good things happening in their lives. Seeking peace whenever there's a disagreement. Communicating with patience in our interactions. Choosing to be kind no matter what. Pursuing goodness together. Living with faithfulness to scripture. Interacting with gentleness. Exercising self-control. Here's the thing though, even as I do this, it's too easy for me to go, yeah, cool, I love people, that's great. And not think about the moments where I'm not thinking about what I'm doing or what I'm saying. What I'm talking about here is creating a safe environment for people to speak up and go, I'm struggling. 
And hey, I'm, I may not agree with that. I'm talking about the jokes, the, the sarcastic stuff, the social media. If, if you have a name for people who voted differently than you, if your social media is full of memes attacking or criticizing people who think differently or act differently than you, we got to stop, guys, because what we are saying to the people around us is that we're not safe for them to be real. We have to create an environment, starting with, I could be wrong about this, so people can go, I don't know if I agree on this issue, but I still love you, and I still want to be a part of this community. We have to create that environment for people to be safe, to struggle, and to ask hard questions, to be themselves. How do we do this? How do we actually live this out? James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love this verse because James says if, and I, it feels like a wink and a nod to like, if any of us lacks wisdom, right? That other guy that lacks wisdom. It's like, no, we all lack wisdom and we all know it. And James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give generously. Wisdom is applying biblical truth to our current reality. That's what it is. We grow in our wisdom by learning what God's word says and applying it to how we live our daily lives. This is how we begin to live this stuff out. By asking God, by saying, God, I, I know I need to serve other people. I know I need to love. I know I need to seek unity. I don't know how to do that. I need you to give me the wisdom to do that, Lord. I need you to help me. I need you to, to speak to me in the moments when I'm not doing this. I need you to help me live this out. Now, here's my challenge for every single one of us. What if we prayed and asked for wisdom every single day for the next seven days? That we, we could just humbly come before God and go, I want to do this. I want to live as a follower of Jesus and create a safe place for people to be themselves. And maybe if you're in that deconstruction process, I want to figure out how to do this even in the midst of my struggles. I want to serve people. I want to love. I want to seek unity. What if we all just for the next seven days said, God, I need your wisdom and I need your help to do that. Would you please give that to me? His word promises that he will. His word says that he will give it generously. Guys, I think this is the only way this happens for us. I think that this is the only way we can actually live this out is if we go to God and ask for his help. Would you be willing to do that, Front Range? Again, whether you're in the middle of deconstruction or you've come out the other side of it and you want to help create a place for people who are struggling, we can do this together. It has a life-changing, a world-changing impact. If we can learn how to serve one another in humility and wisdom, love one another in humility and wisdom, seek unity with one another in humility and wisdom. Let's live this out together. Let's pray. God, I thank you just for the opportunity that we've had to talk through this topic, this difficult topic of deconstruction, Lord. And I thank you for every person who has lifted their hand up and said, yep, that's me right now. I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with these thoughts. I'm struggling with these things. I don't know what to do in this moment. God, I'm so thankful that I get to serve in a community and in a place where people are willing to be real and they're willing to be honest and just say, I need help and I'm struggling and I don't know what to do, God. And I'm so, so proud of the home that we've built here as a church 
where people can say that, where they can come in and be themselves. God, I pray that you would continue to cultivate that environment around us, God, that you would challenge every single one of us to be the kind of people who are serving and loving and seeking unity, God, so that we truly can represent you to the world around us. And God, I'm not ignorant to the fact that there are many people who have struggled with hurt and pain and terrible experiences in churches, God, that have driven them away from you. And it breaks my heart so much. And as we just stay in this moment of prayer, I just want to speak to those of you who may be in this place or watching online and you've had those experiences in the past. Again, everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed. We're just in this moment before God. It may have taken a lot for you to come today. It may have taken a lot for you to click the link to watch online. And I'm thankful. And I'm also sorry for what happened in the past. For whatever a person who claimed the name of Jesus did or said or represented to you, I am sorry. It should not be this way. Humans are broken. Humans are messy. We try to represent Jesus the best we can and we fail at it all the time. And I'm sorry for that. But I don't want it to drive you away from Jesus. I don't want you to be separated from him. So if that's you and maybe you, maybe you gave it a shot today for the first time in a long time and you're thinking, all right, maybe I can get back into this. Maybe I can try to follow Jesus again. Maybe I can try to restart that relationship. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you're also in here and you've never followed Jesus before. It's your first time checking this whole thing out and you're like, I could give this a shot. I could, I could try to do what we're talking about here. I, I, wanna, I wanna choose to follow Jesus. If you're in this place and maybe you had a relationship with him in the past, life got in the way, you got hurt, things happen, you wanna come back home today. God is here for you. God is waiting with open arms. He loves you. He has good things for you. He has eternal life. Jesus paid the price for your sins on the cross so that you could be in that relationship with God. And I wanna give you that opportunity. I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything. If you're in that place today where you wanna come back home, you wanna restart that relationship with God, or you wanna start a relationship with him for the first time, would you just slip your hand up with me and let's just pray together. Amen. God, we thank you. Father, we come before you, Lord. We just offer our lives to you. We got nothing to offer. We got, we've tried. We've tried to do good. We've tried to earn it. We've tried to be perfect and we just can't. Or God, we've had so much pain in the past, Lord. We need you. We need your love. We need your presence. We need you to draw near to us, God. We are offering all that we have to you and asking for you to save us. God, we thank you for Jesus' death on the cross that pays the price for our sins. We thank you, Lord, that he didn't stay dead, that he rose three days later, and we can place our hope in eternal life because of him, because of his resurrection. God, we give you all that we have. We ask you to save us, fill us with your spirit to empower us to live a life for you. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen.